I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, yeah. And speaking of reality, we do have to take one moment. And Mark, this is episode 324. So there has been 324 episodes of this podcast without a Super Bowl. (laughs) Oh, Lord, why? Why do you do this to us? We know humility as Dallas Cowboys fans, please. Oh my gosh. Yes. Teach us humility. There was certainly humility in that game last week. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah, this is 2024, (sighs) everybody. Oh yeah. (laughs) If you're listening in the far future, we are sad. Yeah. January, it was was one of the worst games football I've ever seen in my life. We could easily talk for an hour about that, but instead... (laughs) We are going to talk for an hour about the Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman, yes. which is was it was terrific. Um, another great find by you, a great pick. Um, what made you select this one? Well, I remember when I reread it relatively recently. And I was struck by the themes that, even though they're solving mysteries and stuff, there are a lot of things going on in this book. I feel like maybe a few too many. It's a kind of a beginner, a rookie mistake, maybe. But all the different mysteries that get resolved, I felt like revolved around life issues. Hmm. Very um, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can talk about that later, some of the things that came up, but... In that sense, it felt really true and really kind of uh, Catholic in that way. Hmm. And there were some, uh, there was a Catholic thread, kind of, you yeah, know. Yeah. And um, I just thought, also, I loved the way this represented this retirement community. Hmm. I felt like it was really genuine, and I haven't lived in one, yes. but I have been mm-hmm. to plenty of them to do my talking movies thing, where yeah. I would, they watch a movie and then I go and talk about it with them. And the ones that I know the best, a lot of the things that are shown happening in this book, like the little arguments of groups or things like that, and we could talk about that later, th- these are all, they just felt exactly right. Mm, that's so, great. Um, I really loved that because I thought it's like a look into a whole different world for a lot of people who are never around this. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if this has ever come up before or not, but um, did I ever tell you that my mom, while I was growing up, was a director of nurses at a nursing home. Not at all. Yeah, so I oh. have spent plenty of time in nursing homes. It's not it's you not have. that I spent a ton of time, but you know, I would visit her to, you know, yeah. whatever business was going on, but um but yeah, I I'd, I'd been in nursing homes a lot as a kid. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of this must have felt familiar in some yeah, ways. I don't know how sure. much of these things you would have noticed. Yeah, um, but nothing nothing like um I mean, this is an upscale Oh, Almost yeah, well, like a, yeah. a retirement community with a nursing home section, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, the Willows, res- like they call resort. it, right? The Willows. Yeah. Um, so, but but I can tell you that if my, when I, when I get, you know, way up there in age, <laughs> if I had something like this group, I, I would be a very happy person. 
And that's one of the things, of course, this is one of the themes and we, we can jump ahead in a minute, but friendship is a big one of the themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meeting people and being open to people who are completely different to you. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that it they're unlikely friends, you know, they're, yeah. they've come from different places and they've met here and they live here now, you know, um, and, and what an interesting thing that is. And I imagine that's what the experience is when um, people go to retirement communities, um, you know, people just from all kinds of different walks of life or, or have come here to, to live out their lives. And um, yeah, you, you're just meeting people that you wouldn't have met until you're that age, you know, because you just don't go in those circles. Well, yeah. And um, for instance, when I would, do this one group that which is the one I started with and the one that I still do um used to be for years we would have lunch and talk about the movie Mm. which was insanely distracting as servers are going around but what it did is allow a lot of side conversations Mm. and so what happened is I mean I met somebody who was the first female reporter in Houston for sports oh cool Way yeah. back before they had anybody going in the locker room or anything, but she was doing it for the newspaper. Hmm. I met somebody who was a secretary for the CIA back when they built Langley. Wow. Yeah. And these are all just, you know, the most lovely people and very <laughs> smart and we had a lot of good time. But, you know, you, you hear these stories and you're just like, wow, these things are all around us. And then you're looking at these four friends. And so one of them was a nurse. One of them was uh, is a retired psychiatrist. One of them was an ex uh, trade union leader who's very confrontational still. (laughs) And one of them, it becomes really clear, and it's not giving tons away. Early on, she had to work for an intelligence agency and must have been real good at it. Yeah, right. So yeah, so it's you you meet these people, and they are unlikely. And they're very different, but because of their... So let me just give the brief summary. Yes, please. And okay. Since we've kind of started to dive in a little. So basically, these four people come together because they like to look at old police fi- case files. The The person who helped start the group uh, called the Thursday Murder Club is now um, in a coma, I believe. And she's in you know the nursing home part of it that you were talking about. But... She she had all these. She was a policewoman, and she had all these old files that she had saved from all these cases that never were solved. So she and her friend Elizabeth, and then they started gathering a few other people. They would meet every Thursday and go over all the clues and see if they could solve any of them. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's much more fun sounding to me than like jigsaw puzzles and stuff. But um, so because I think they met in the jigsaw puzzle room. <laughs> So, (laughs) so, and to give a sense, idea of the sense of humor, what they did is they always reserved it for the Japanese opera, a discussion group. (laughs) So no one ever wanted wanted to come. No, that's kind of cut you off there, but uh, I I love that. That's just an example of the humor in this book. I mean, it's not a comedy novel. It's not a comic novel, but the author, uh, there's just funny things that occur. But uh, it says, it was and still is. This is the room that they met in. Yeah. It was and still is booked under the name Japanese Opera, a discussion, which ensured they were always left in peace. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, and it's oh, that kind of man. thing of it's both funny, it's also supremely intelligent. Yes. We yes. all get it. We're yeah. like, oh yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> go in there. Yeah. Oh, so um anyway, they they do this. They we meet it them through Joyce and they recruit Joyce because she was a nurse and they have a question about, you know, stab wounds and how some would somebody die and all these various things. So um, she starts to become part of this group, and there are four of them. And after a little while, an actual murder happens. So they're like, well, forget the cold cases. Let's investigate this. And as they go on, it's a quite a tangled web of all sorts of things that they discover. But um, the pleasure really is in their development as a group of people who count on each other and carry carry off little things to make like draw the right people in find out the right information and then we also meet a couple of police officers chris and then donna who are investigating the homicide and they also become kind of a attached group of people that we care about too yeah. so in in a way it's kind of the best friends club solves yeah. murders yeah yeah so that's, that's it. great yeah elizabeth joyce ibrahim and ron yeah. Those are the four. Yeah. And then lots of people around there. I did, you know, you've said a little bit that it might be too complex, the the uh, murder mystery piece. It mm-hmm. does have a bunch of characters. It kind of reminded me uh, just a touch of the feast and how many people there were. Yeah. You know, there must there must have been 20. <laughs> I'm, yeah. You know, it, it, they're just a, a bunch. Um, well, but it was super interesting. And it, and the style in which it was written was interesting, too. The really super short chapters. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get towards the end, it's like chapter 114. <laughs> but this is not like an 800-page book. Um, they're just like, you know, and I know that he writes for television or has mm-hmm. written television yeah. scripts. Um, and this is his first novel. But um but that's how scenes work in, in scripts. You know, they're just like boom, boom, boom. You know, mm. just quick, quick, quick. Well, and that explains it because it keeps it really dynamic. It does, it's, yeah. It's rare that a, a chapter goes on for more than just a few pages, and then you're, sometimes it goes on in the next chapter, but usually you're kind of moved somewhere else. So things are always happening. And what I meant, when I too, when I was saying that it got a little too complicated is there suddenly are all these different suspects. Mm. And all these different threads of things to follow. And as they're doing it, it does become hard to keep track of everybody. Now, to be fair, he resolves, if not all of them, almost all of them. I can't remember. I think he resolves everything. And each one has its own separate conclusion. So then it's hard to keep track of, no, wait, what was it with Bernard? Oh, that was his wife in the ashes. Okay. And then what was it with this? And I found a review, uh, or I went looking for... um, a summary of the book. Cause I was like, I cannot keep track of all these things for, I doubt if it'll really come up, but if it does, and I finally found something that was talking about, you know, Jason was doing this and Bogdan was doing this and father Mackey and Bernard and all these people, you know, Karen Playfair. And some of them wind up just giving information. Some of them have their own mysteries to solve. I mean, heck at one point, Two of them go to Greece to track, try to track somebody down. I mean, he threw everything in here. And I'm not saying it's not a great book. The next books get a little less crowded. Mm, okay. They still have a lot going on, and you're still keeping track of stuff. 
but um, maybe because you already know the the main six people, you know, the two detectives and the four people, it gets a little bit easier. But well, that's good. Yeah, I still love it anyway. Yeah. Oh, I love it too. And uh, yeah, multiple murders. Even it's it's not only oh, suspects, yeah. but multiple victims. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Ian, you want Ian to die so much. <laughs> He's the worst person in oh, the world. Oh yeah. Let's move this. So... Let's move this cemetery. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's going around at one point going, well, let's face it. He's just smarter than everyone. Of course he gets what he wants. And that's how it should be. You know, and you're just like, I hate you so much. I mean, he's just awful. Oh, man. So when he dies, it's extremely satisfying. Yes. That's so fun. In fact, I think I remember Joyce in her diary saying, well, of course, nobody, Ian shouldn't have been killed. And nobody wanted him to die. But if somebody had to die, I'm not going to say I'm glad, but I certainly oh, don't mind it. That's great. That's <laughs> she great. Goes on and on. Um, oh, and so. I love the, those, you know, those little short chapters. And um, some of the most compelling ones are Joyce's diary. Um, right. Just loved her. Um, that was just great. The Just the tone and everything. I, I always look forward to, oh, yay, a Joyce chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because somehow he carries this dynamic up where when they're talking in third person, it's really clear that Elizabeth is the leader. I mean, she's got the ideas, the know-how. She comes up with the little plans to involve people and get the information they want to get. But when, but and each person has their own personality and all that. But when Joyce's diaries come up, you realize. Joyce, I think, really is the main character because we're seeing the world through her eyes and um, she gives it all this personality and life and quirkiness. Mm. I mean, she's always, and this is not really a spoiler because Joyce is Joyce, right? She is who she is. So she's always trying, she's baking things and making dinner for Bernard (laughs) going, oh, well, you know, my husband's been dead for a little while. It's not that she doesn't love him and miss him and think about him, but she's like, well, life goes on. Yeah, I'm lonely. Yeah. I'd like a little companionship. <laughs> and um, every book, she's got her eye on someone. Oh, that's who cool. she's making walnut crunch for, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Oh, good yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she never says die. <laughs> you know? And she often is quite perceptive yeah, in a way I, I think you the, don't expect. Like when Elizabeth didn't understand this one guy was gay and Donna says, oh, well, that's never happening. And she's like, tell her, Joyce. And she goes, oh, Yes. I spotted right off that he was gay. How did you not know that, Elizabeth? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, right. So. Yeah. And I think that's part of the fun of the book, too. Um, you know, these are all, you know, 70, 80-year-old yeah. folks, I guess. And it's, they're not done, you know? And, and we shouldn't feel that way either. Um, I, I, I just found it just great. You know, there's, the, you know, it's interesting what they're going through as people. You know, there's the the troubles that they have with health and everything like that, that are starting to creep in and they've got friends, you know, I remember a character commenting, you know, they, there's funerals all the time and, uh, you know, people, they lose people more often than, than, uh, younger folks, you know? And, um, yeah. And just to think of that and then yet, you know, like Joyce, well, that doesn't stop her from chasing whoever she wants to chase. And why not? And why, you know, why it reminds us to, to uh, not be done ever, you know. Well, that's it. And in fact, I think Joyce at one point is talking about, I just found out they have online computer dating stuff. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if I should sign up for that. <laughs> She's you know? describing yeah. um, Tinder, I think. Yeah. Right? <laughs> She's like, have you heard of Tinder? Because she writes it as if she's your best friend. Yes. Have you heard of Tinder? Because mm-hmm. I just did. And you're just like, no, Joyce, not Tinder. Don't do that. No. <laughs> But this is her. She's always like that. She's kind of inquisitive. She wants to live. And like when she's talking about, she couldn't, but she has real problems. And they all have real problems that you can relate to. Like she can't relate to her daughter well. Yeah. And it's just so real, isn't it? Um, Yeah. I mean, that's what this author is so talented. That relationship with her daughter was great. I mean, it was not a great relationship, right? But it's great. It's so real. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've witnessed those troubles. Yes, mm-hmm. we all have. And, um, and yeah, so you see enough of each person to see the things they struggle with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Elizabeth has her husband whose memory is going. Um, then Ibrahim, they don't really talk about him as much. Yeah. But that, in the next book, they do. That's but good. Ron is delighted to be in a spot where he can be very confrontational and pushy. Oh, again. I love it. I love you know, you know. the description of Ron. He doesn't believe anything. So it's right. like if, if they put a, a case file in front of him, he's like, I don't believe any of it, you know? And then he, <laughs> he del- delves into it from that perspective and is always noticing things. He's yeah. like, I don't trust the police to say, you know, whatever, you know, it's great. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyone in authority. Yep. Anybody in authority. I don't trust any of them. And he just lights up at the chance to take them on. Yep. Because <laughs> that's what he was always really good that's at. Great. And then he and his son, you know, he's got a son. Yeah. That's a relationship too. And it's pretty darn good. I mean. Yeah. They yeah. get along great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. But and that's that is where you get a lot of these extra characters where eventually in other books of the series they come back and you know them a little more, but you're having you are having to keep track of a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all <laughs> these people, as you say, they're vibrant, they're intelligent, they're capable. You know, maybe not capable of climbing a fence anymore, but they can find ways actually to exploit their the way people perceive them. Mm. Yep. And manipulate them based on the fact that, well, I'm just old man. <laughs> the thing where the thing where Ron's like, it's Ibrahim and Ron, and Ron is telling Chris, the homicide detective who's never met any of them, well, I can't quite remember. But you know what I'd love to tell is that lovely young woman who came and did the talk. And they're trying, because Donna yes. um, mm. would like to be a homicide detective. And so they're like, well, we can make that happen, but you have to cooperate so we can get some inside information. And Donna's like, no. Oh, Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was good. And I loved um, when Elizabeth and Joyce went to visit Donna. Oh, and yeah. uh, they <laughs> pretended to be a nun. Uh, and it was just spur of the moment, you know, and Elizabeth was so impressed with Joyce. It was just like, oh, yes. good thinking. I thought that was great. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just cool. Yeah. So they're able to use. Whatever they've got, and and they do. And uh, Elizabeth is fascinating to me. She was she was just great yes. fun. Um, but you're right; she drove everything. You know, she was, and she loved it. She was, you know, just solving the murders, and um, you know, she wanted to be the one to question people. She loved confronting the killer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If, mm-hmm. if she thinks this person's a killer, she wants to go talk to him. <laughs> and you're like, shouldn't the police be involved? Nah, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Well, it's like stuff like where somebody will say, I can't remember what 
place it was, but like, you know, some very foreign, exotic place. This is lovely. And she goes, oh, yes, yes. I remember in 1968, it was quite lovely when I was visiting there, you know. <laughs> so this is where you get the idea that she was a spy or something like that. Yeah, and just um, something. And so the thing is, is she's enjoying herself. But it's not the way Joyce does. Mm. To Joyce, it's all a delight and a surprise. And for Elizabeth, it's really kind of like she's supremely capable. Yes. And she knows how to do this stuff. And mm -hmm. she is always thinking one step ahead of everyone else because this is what she's used to. She did it for years and years and years. Mm. And um, so they're all going along with it. And they're all enjoying it. And she is, you're right, she is enjoying it, but it's not with the same innocent thrill that maybe the others have. Mm. I don't feel like, maybe I'm... No, maybe I think I, it's great. I love Supremely Capable. That's just such a good description of her. You know, she's just like, yeah. yep, I've got this, and she's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I was always nervous for her when she would go... To question somebody oh, who you really? think might be, yeah, I was. I mean, there was one one scene in, in, in particular where she was talking to somebody, and I'm like, you know, you want to be alone in the house with this person, oh. you know? And then, yeah. and that's what I meant, you know. And she's just very forthright. And, you know, well, did you kill him? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, this could turn bad. Yeah. Or she says, I think we both know this and this and this yes, and that yeah. and that and that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, well, yeah, yeah I was nervous and, for her. And there are other people that he writes. He's just really good at writing people who are very different from each other, and that's not always the case with a first-time author. Mm. Um, so you get people like Bogdan, mm, Bogdan. And I think it's Bogdanovich maybe yeah. is his actual name, but Bogdan yeah. is what he gets called. And he's from some Eastern European country, and he's, you know, a big, bulky, brawny guy who, if you don't talk to him closely, it just seems like maybe he's a little slow. Hmm. But he's done everything for anybody who wants to pay him. Yes. You know, so he, if you want somebody killed, he'll do it. If you oh, want your pool yeah. grouted, he'll do it. Oh, there you know, was he, a, he just needs yeah. to be paid. I'm trying to remember who was talking to Bogdan when... Um, it must have been Elizabeth, but I'm not positive. But he was she, he was being asked questions, you know. So what if your boss, Ian Ventham, uh -huh. you're right? Yeah. What if he asked you to go kill somebody? You know, and just that whole conversation was mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> He's yeah. like, yeah, I do anything, you know, anything, whatever, you know, I yeah, do it whatever all. Whatever he says. Whatever he says, you know. And he says. So what would you do if he wanted you to murder the guy that got killed? You know, and he's like, I would not do it. You know, he says, I would say no. <laughs> yeah. I would say you do it yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, he's just a great character. And, and a scene that I think I'm going to remember most is so that this guy, Ian, is wanting to develop another part of this retirement area community you know i, I mm -hmm. visit it as kind of a a sprawling area that used to be owned by the catholic church there is an old chapel there that's still there but there's a graveyard and it was next to the convent yeah, yeah. and the graveyard's on a hill I, I picture and then um ian wants to move the graveyard so that he can develop the cool hill and anyway that's his purpose so he shows up one morning <clears throat> to do that and bogdan works for him and then I remember Elizabeth saying something like, 
um, whenever there's action, look where the action isn't. And so she's looking elsewhere, right. like looking around. Okay, what well, now that you know these bulldozers have showed up and stuff? Where what else is going on? And Bogdan walks by with a shovel. Yeah, <laughs> he walks by. Doody 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 do. And he, he walks up to the hill and starts digging a hole, and as if he's going to move this thing with a shovel. And um, anyway, I just thought that was something. And then. Um, we're well into spoilers, everybody, but, oh, yeah. um, you know, when he digs down, he finds a body. He finds a coffin, but on top of the coffin is a body. And he's like, there's two bodies here. Yeah. He's like, how would it get out of there? And then he looks inside and he goes, oh, it didn't get out of there. It's still there. Yeah, there's so two now, skeletons there, here. Now there's somebody has buried a somebody on top of it, you know. And then he fills it back in. <laughs> he fills it back yeah, in. Like, well, I don't know what to do with this. I need to do something <clears throat> about oh, it. Oh, shoot. And, and there was all this thought about he's he's exposed a bone and now he feels responsible for the bone. He can't yeah. just n- not deal with it. He's just, I'm responsible for this now. You know, I've, I've, I've exposed this. So who does he go to? Elizabeth. <laughs> right. She came I mean, and talked to him once. Yeah. And so he was later, like, yeah. I don't know much about her, but I do know that she's, as we say, supremely capable. Yeah. We understand each other. Right. You know. And then that conversation with Elizabeth uh, is, is just so good. And then, you know, Bogdan is just like, yeah, I need to show you something. And, you know, th- there's a thing where it's like Elizabeth is, you know, where I'm going to go out in the dark with this guy who is a suspect <laughs> and go to the top of a mountain or a hill. I'm sorry. And yeah. it's just like, what are you doing? You know, to me, I, that, that made me a little nervous. I, I was nervous for Elizabeth at that time in the book, not knowing Bogdan very well at the, at that time. And then, um, yeah, but he takes her up to the top of a hill. He says, sit down. This will take a minute. <laughs> and he <Yeah>. digs a <laughs> hole and he digs down and he goes, look, there's a body on top of the thing. And she's like, oh, that's very interesting. And uh, why did you fill that back in? <laughs> so he puts it all back. <laughs> oh, it was just the best. Yeah. And Bogdan is just doing it. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's just, that's but such, do, yeah. Yeah. Good. And, but what you point out is also the complexity of that character. Yeah. Somebody who we, we suspect already is a hitman. We find out later he, he's been involved in all kinds of stuff. For him to feel guilty because, or responsible because he exposed a skeleton that wasn't in a coffin seems unlikely. But he does. But he does. And it, it, Part it's of his very, humanity. very good. Yeah. Right. It's really something. Well, yeah. And so what you have is scattered throughout this book, as well as all these things we've been talking about, um, you have, I'm trying to see here. So they're pointing out all kinds of things. So, right, um, the guy who pretends to be Father Mackey, mm, yeah, because he showed up and he was 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 he was mistaken for a priest or mm. he was on the run or something. Yeah, yeah. But he pretends to be a priest and he's doing all the sacraments and everything, and then he falls in love with one of the nuns at the convent, and. There, she, she becomes pregnant, and he's like, well, this is it. We'll run away. We'll get married. But before he can tell her all this stuff, she kills herself. And what haunts him, too, is that killed the baby. 
Yeah, how many murder mysteries do you read where somebody's also haunted by the fact that their unborn baby was killed before you could even tell she was pregnant? Yeah. Not at all. And the scene where they're having the informal, uh, it's slash formal, but it's not official, uh, burial of the nun and of the baby, they're putting little headstones there for them. Hmm. And the baby gets a headstone too. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is acknowledging this is a life. And, you know, when Penny's, um, I mean, when Elizabeth is kind of talking to Penny and Penny's husband, John, about, you know, the killing of Ian, she's like, basically, he was a terrible person, but killing him was wrong. And even though you guys are some of my best friends, I've got to go to the police in the morning. Mm. So she's giving him this window to do whatever they, whatever John, he's the only one who's awake, chooses to do. But she's like, this is wrong to kill somebody, no matter what. Um, and the whole reason that any of that came up was because a long time ago, Penny had done a kind of a revenge killing against a young man who had killed his girlfriend. And Penny and was police, the one that's sort of in a, a coma. In she's in the, a coma. Yeah. So she's not responsible now, but she, but she's her actions set John into motion. See, this is what we mean, everybody, about it being super complicated. <laughs> but the thing is, is that by implication, Penny was wrong to do that. Yeah, yeah. that man shouldn't have been killed like that, even though maybe there was no evidence. Um, it was wrong for Tony to kill that guy Gianni and the young drug dealer, mm-hmm. which is why Bogdan kills Tony decades later. <laughs> I mean, so, and part of it is, you know, it's just life matters. Even scumbags' lives matter. There's a different way to handle it. And and part of that, in part of that, friendship is all wrapped up. The fact that Elizabeth was good friends with Penny and John, the fact that Bogdan uh, was such good friends with Gianni that he never forgot and he took vengeance for him later. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, The fact that Gianni's father in Greece writes a note and says, I'm still looking for what happened to him. I need closure. Hmm. I love my son and I miss him. If you hear anything, let me know. And he's an old criminal in jail. Yeah, right. But all these human connections that have been made with friendship and love and yet and life, even if the people are reprehensible on a lot of levels, they're still live people and they matter. That's right, yeah. You don't read a lot of books like that these days. I mean, they're not right. He's not painting a lecture with it or anything, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, when you were talking about the baby getting a, a headstone, um, mm-hmm. uh, my wife's dad passed away recently. And when mm-hmm. we were at the cemetery, um, we were looking around, you know, uh, this is a uh, small town. Idaho is where he lived. And, you know, so you go to the cemetery and there's, you know, his last name was Hill. So there's like Hill, 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 you know, you you see all these headstones, you know, of this family history right there. And then, um, yeah, you see a headstone, you know, somebody Hill, I don't remember the name, but that person was alive for 10 days, you know, a little headstone there. And I just, you know, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking to think about. But that's a person, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's so it, it's just, you know, so I love what you're pointing out this, this idea of life being, you know, there's many different examples of, 
you know, life at different stages of life, even at the end. Yeah. And then the second thing that I started to think about while you were talking was the effects of sin. Because here mm. Penny had done something. I mean, it's a sin what she did. Mm-hmm. And yet it rippled, right? It's it's not yeah. something that didn't ripple. It's not something that she did that didn't affect the world. I mean, clearly the person died. Mm-hmm. But now all these years later, the person that she's with is taking action based on something that she did in trying to cover that up, you know? Yeah. And it's just it's just the sin just kind of ripples out and it just affects the atmosphere, you know? Um and that that's a good example of that. No, that's right. Yeah. Well, and there are other things in there too, like Bernard and his wife's ashes mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, but that's that's to be more um part of the loneliness and loss that goes along with being old. Right. Yes. You lose a spouse. Yeah. You you know, live with regret for whatever the reason is. Mm. Um, you do irrational things sometimes to hold on to what seems to be right in their honor or in their memory. Yeah. And this is illustrated also by Elizabeth with her husband, who's starting to lose his memory to dementia mm. of some sort. And um, so she's, she's trying to keep him with her instead of living in, you know, the nursing home part as long as possible. So while she's going out to do things or at night or whatever, she's, she's drugging his tea Hmm. or coffee, whatever he's drinking so that he'll sleep while she's gone and he won't betray himself because the minute people in authority know this, they'll go, well, you can't take care of him properly here. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is part of her. She's struggling with, he's, probably one of the few people she ever really loved like this Hmm. from what you pick up. And so how does she let that go? How does she face this deterioration and this loss of somebody she loves so much? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because it's not dwelt on in great depth in most of these places, but it's just scattered all over the book. Yeah. And in Penny herself, um, I remember the conversation between Elizabeth and um, I'm trying to remember who was with Penny. I can't remember the name of the character who, you know, so Elizabeth was talking to him. It was near the end and she was saying, are you sure that Penny can't hear you or can't understand? Oh, yeah. You know, and that's an interesting thing in itself. You know, we're talking about life and termination and, you know. Dignity. um, Yeah, dignity. Um. Yeah, you know, it's like, are you sure she can't understand what's happening? (laughs) Mm -hmm. How sure are you, you know? And does that make a difference to you? Um, It was just a very interesting thing to think about, especially from a life perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's another example of that in this book. Well, and one of the other things that I really loved about this book was um, we were talking about Joanna and Joyce's problematic relationship as daughter and mother. And Joyce um, figures out that her daughter, Joanna, has actually bought the retirement community now that Ian's dead and all this stuff, mm-hmm. who, who owned it before, or part owner anyway, before. And um, 
Her daughter says, and this is thinking about life and love and finding things out about people you didn't know. And so Joanna says, um, remember when you moved in here and I told you it was a mistake? I told you it would be the end of you, sitting mm. in your chair, surrounded by other people just waiting out their days. I was wrong. It was the beginning of you, Mom. I thought I would never see you happy again after Dad died. And Joyce says, we had never talked about this. Both our faults. And Joanna goes on, your eyes are alive. Your laugh is back. And it's thanks to Cooper's chase and to Elizabeth and to Ron and Ibrahim and, Ibrahim and to Bernard, God rest his soul. And so I bought it the company, the land, the whole development, and I bought it to say thank you, Mom. Though mm. I know what you're going to say next, and I promise I will also make millions out of it, so don't panic. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. um, and it's that thing of what Joyce didn't realize was how much Joanna did love her, that she was worried that she would just vegetate, which is what we all think of when we think of something like that. But I know that my mother absolutely loved the two communities that she lived in, in Florida. Mm. And she, yeah, yeah, no, she flourished. Mm -hmm. She was for just for all kinds of reasons, but I don't think she'd ever been in a community like that where she knew so many people. There were always things going on. She had her dog with her. People would love to see her and her dog show up at stuff. She wound up running a couple of the committees, you know, Mm. and, um, just had a blast. And yeah, that, you know, if the insurance money hadn't run out, she would be there still having the best time of her life. And um, so, so much so that I never felt guilty once I realized that that was the case. I really was like, now I feel guilty having her live here with us. <laughs> kind of going, I can't provide that. There's one person we know who's her age who comes every couple weeks and hangs out with her for a couple of hours and they become close friends. But, you know, here she gets something different, of course, that she's, you know, got her great grandson who she can watch growing. She's got, you know, dogs. She has all kinds of other things going on. But Mm. when I read this book and read about how the community provided that atmosphere and they're not doing, you know, whatever the activities director has going on. They might take the little bus into town to do something, but that put them in a place where they could meet each other and be together. And it kind of made me think of, um, and we've talked about this before, the importance of community mm-hmm. and how staying in a place where you go to a church and you're involved, that provides community of this sort of people where you'd never meet a lot of them otherwise Yeah, through work or so other true. things. And, and it allows you to flourish and have friends in a way that you wouldn't have before. I mean, I, you know, I was talking about, I maybe, I, was, I can't remember if this was before or not, but, you know, I went to dinner last night with a friend. I went to lunch today with a friend. Both of them are from different groups of people at church. Mm, great. And I have all these people kind of going, well, let's have coffee. Well, let's do this. Well, let's do that. I think all of them I've met through church. Yeah, and that's great. So different. Very good. Yeah, and our relationship mm-hmm. is yeah, great. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. No, and that's it's like that's this terrific. Place. That's terrific. I have friends at church too, you know, that I see every Monday night. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's 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 great. Look forward to it every week. Um, but it's it's fun. Yeah, we I've started to do inquiry, RCIA inquiry. Mm-hmm. It just means mm-hmm. anybody who wants to come can come. 
we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. And so I've got uh, myself and um, there's a, a, a fellow named Richard that always comes mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, Louise. And uh, we're, we're just in there. If nobody shows up, we just have a great conversation and then Bible study at seven with the big group. Okay. And, uh, but anyway, it's, it's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. It's community. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, it's just so easy, um, you know, just floating around online or whatever. If you get into social media or whatever like that, you can, you can just fall right off, you know, and just, you know, it's just not healthy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but, uh, but Yeah. And then you, every, every other Thursday. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is fantastic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just so important. Yeah. So I would be thrilled. You know, when I think back on my life, too, I mean, I'm 55. Um, and and uh, so I'm just saying, I've had, I've had different sections of my life to this point. Where, right. And, and, but you look back and you're like, oh, there was some peak times. And the peak times always had to do with people. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, so when I was in college, I was really with this group. And uh, when I had my first job, that was a real peak moment. Um, and I was with this group of people. And you just, I just think back on that. There was, there was four of us that hung out together all the time after work and everything um, in the first job that I had. But it's, it's always people, you know. So it's just like, so something like this. Um, I would just be thrilled with, you know, like I said at the beginning, life goal, I guess, you know, it's like <laughs> if I get to this point, you know, and Let's I'm, I'm it. like, it's time, time to go to a retirement community. Um, I, I would hope to find some people well, to hang with. Yeah. And that's it. And I have to say, I have a certain fondness for really two of the communities that I did my talking movies thing with Mm -hmm. and one of them i mean these people were just so great they were all so different but the movies brought them together Mm. and that and our groups and our group took on a real personality of its own you know Mm. and it's that and and they knew each other they said you know we've seen each other around but we'd never talked to each other because there might be several hundred people living in one of these places right you get if you're lucky, ten of them want to come and talk about sure, a movie. Yeah, and um, but they became their own group of friends, very much like the Thursday Murder Club. And really, then when you add in um, Donna and um, who two detectives who wind up becoming good partners, and as the series goes on, they're also friends. And, um, but Donna's helping Chris with, she's like, come on, man, don't you ever iron a shirt? Don't you, is the shirt ironed itself as you wear it? She goes, does it? You know? <laughs> and, um, you know, he's going to grab a chocolate bar and he struggles with his weight. She's like, no, no, no. And he gives her a look and she's like, honestly, man, I'm just helping you. <laughs> Believe me. Oh, that's and, cool. um, and he takes it from her, mm-hmm. you know, and he, and then you're watching it and you're going, the thing is, is. He's got all these problems and he's very lonely, as we know a lot of, you know, single people are in their 40s or whatever he is. But he's also a good detective. As mm. you're watching it go on, he's surprising people. He's asking questions. He's got his own thing he's doing and Donna is learning from him. And um, 
the thing is, is that the murder club has just uh, texted because they're very sophisticated. They've just texted Donna and said, well, you know, if you'd like to pop by this evening. And um, so I think that might have to wait, says Chris. Tell her we're busy solving two murders. Donna continues to scroll through the message. She says she has something for us. I quote, please do not read another file until you see, have seen what we found. Also, there will be Sherry. See you at eight. She puts down her phone and looks at her boss. Well, she asks. Well, Chris slowly strokes his stubble, considering the Thursday murder club. He has to face it. He likes them. He's happy drinking their tea, eating their cake, and chatting off the record. He likes their rolling hills and their big sky. Was he being taken advantage of? Well, almost certainly. But for now, he was getting plenty in return. Would all this look very bad if it came out? Mm. Yes, but it wouldn't. And if it did, why not just take Elizabeth into his disciplinary hearing and let her work her magic? Eventually, he looks up at Donna, who has her eyebrows raised, waiting for an answer. I'm a reluctant yes. And, you know, it's all this, when he's talking about eating their cake and drinking their tea, they worked him like, I don't know what. You know, jammed him into a small space, gave him too many things to hold on to, distracted him. They did everything they could to make him uncomfortable and on edge and off his game so they could try and get information out of him and agreements to give them information. And it worked. Yeah, yeah. But he still likes them. Yeah, he's come to terms with it and he likes them. Yeah. Yeah, this is really cool. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, still thinking down that friendship line. Um and Bishop Barron talks about Aristotle and this transcendent third, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is the idea that, you know, like when, when people get married, um, well, if I back up a piece, it's just like friends, you know? So it's like, if you meet somebody who's into something that you're into, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a third thing that you both love and your friendship grows as a result. You know, so it's like you meet somebody who loves science fiction, this would be me. (laughs) And it's like suddenly it's like an instant rapport, you know, somebody who's a Star Trek fan, you know, you're just like instantly you have so much in common and uh, it doesn't matter what your background is at that point. You both love that thing and, and your friends, you know, it's, it's just, it's like a, it just quickens a friendship. Um, and, you know, the idea of the transcendent third in marriage is, you know, God is the transcendent third. Mm-hmm. And you both come together and you both love God. And that makes for a, a good marriage, you know. Right. Because you both share that, you know. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it, it's it's this thing, you know, how can people of disparate backgrounds, you know, get along so well? It's this idea that they're they're in love or they love the idea of solving these things. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I, you know, so there's so many of those kinds of relationships in this, you know, that you've been describing, um, not only those four friends, but, um, other groups too. And, uh, you know, like the, the partners, um, you know, the, the transcendent Mm -hmm. or the, the third in that relationship is their job. You know, right? Um, you know, so. But anyway, I was just sharing that. I, I just uh, it just had me thinking like that. Yeah, I like that. But I do. I I love Richard Osman's writing so much. I mean, <laughs> I, I have 
I have numerous highlights, but it's just, I just love it. You know, so she's, you know, so here's a, a part where Elizabeth has brought to John and, and she's trying to figure out how hard is it to get, um, uh, what was the drug called? There was a was drug. Fentanyl? Yeah, fentanyl, right? You know, and uh, John used to be a vet. So he says, of course, I used it all the time, anesthetic mainly. Um, and uh, Elizabeth says, you know, how easy would it be to get a hold of it? And for someone here, John starts, well, not easy, but not impossible. Pharmacies would have it. You could break in here, I suppose, but you'd have to be very determined or very lucky. And you can get it on the internet. Goodness, says Elizabeth, can you? The dark web. I read it about it in The Lancet. You can get all sorts. A rocket launcher if you really wanted one. Elizabeth nods. And how would you go about getting on the dark web? John shrugs. Well, I'm guessing. But if it were me, the first thing I would do would be to buy a computer. <laughs> You're just like, oh. It's just a laugh out loud well, yeah, moment. And the funny thing is, later on, they're talking to somebody. The group of people is talking to somebody. And somebody says something like well i'm not sure where we'll find it and joyce or somebody goes well possibly the dark web (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't know what it is but she's throwing it out there and it works you know dark web yeah oh it's so good and we talked about ian and he was kind of a vile person oh and this is you know i mean joyce i have so many little sentences highlighted in joyce's diaries she's wonderful um but she's um so this is early in the book she says, the big meeting is a consultation about a new development at Cooper's Chase. Ian Ventham, the big boss, is coming to talk to us about it. I try to be honest where I can, so I hope you don't mind me saying I don't like him. He's all the things that can go wrong with men if you leave them to their own devices. Oh, yeah. And that's like, oh, yeah, beautifully put, yeah. you know. And I know, you know, it's, it's so true. It's just so true. And it's just riddled with things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. those little insights that are just dropped in there and they tell you everything you need to know about Ian. Yeah. And it's funny because there's something I am going to read that's about Ian's point of view, but it tells you everything you need to know about what what committees are like in a place like, um, hmm. what is it, whatever uh, chase it yeah, is. Cheering, um, uh, yeah, cheering, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah. it says Ian Parks, making sure his parking permit is correctly and prominently displayed on the left hand side of his windscreen with permit number and expiration date clearly showing. Hmm. He has been in all sorts of scrapes with all sorts of authorities over the years, and the only two that have ever truly rattled him are the Russian Import Tax Investigation Authority and the Cooper's Chase Parking Committee. <laughs> oh, man. Because yeah. hell hath no fury, <laughs> like a committee of seniors, oh my and gosh. you have broken the rules. Oh, you know so right. that's so it. Right. They've been empowered, and it's not happening if they don't want it. Oh um, wow! Yeah. But he also has these moments, you know, because we're reading some of the funny bits or the telling bits. Mm. Let's see. He did have something he wrote, which was about the con- what the convent was like. Oh yeah. When there were people living in it. Mm-hmm. See if I can find where I marked it. And I really loved. Let's see. Okay. I'm going to try not to let this get too long. But what it does is it shows you 
he he really thinks about it and understands how these people would feel and live, I think. So it says, For over a hundred years, the convent was a hushed building, filled with the dry bustle of habits and the quiet certainty of prayers offered and answered. Tapping along its dark corridors, you would have found some women comfortable in their serenity, some women frightened of a speeding world, some women hiding, some women proving a vague, long-forgotten point, and some women taking joy in serving a higher purpose. You would have found single beds arranged in dorms, long, low tables for eating, a chapel so dark and quiet you would swear you heard God breathing. In short, you would find the Sisters of the Holy Church, an army that would never give you up, that would feed you and clothe you and continue to need and value you. All it required in return was a lifetime of devotion, and given there will always be someone requiring that, there were always volunteers. Hmm. And then one day... You would take the short trip up the hill, through the tunnel of trees, to the Garden of Eternal Rest, the iron gates and low stone walls of the garden overlooking the convent, and the endless beauty of the Kentish high wheeled beyond, your body in another single bed, under a simple stone, alongside the Sister Margaret's and Sister Mary's of the generations before you. If you had once had dreams, they could now play over the green hills, and if you had secrets, then they were kept safe inside the four walls of the convent forever. Hmm. And you don't expect that kind of writing yeah. in this book. It's very insightful. It really puts you in the place and kind of tells you a little about the people who were there. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I love the word insightful. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. find it over and over, over and over yeah. in this book. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe it's because Richard Osman. Um, he is a British TV presenter and comedian and producer, I mean, and, and writer, all these things that you kind of mentioned a little. And now he's a full-time author because this book took off like a rocket. Yeah. And he was like, oh, great, I can put these other things I'm doing and just <laughs> write. So there are four of these. He's going to start a different series now for a little while. But we discovered him on Taskmaster. Hmm. Have you heard of that show? I have heard of it. I haven't seen much of it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's a British comedy, mm-hmm. and it, they will have four comedians, and they will compete against each other, and they're given these tasks to do. And these tasks are so ridiculous and outrageous. They're doable, mm-hmm. but you watch, and just watching the people try to work their way through this is supremely entertaining. And Richard Osman was the smartest, wittiest, cleverest person of the four. Hmm. You know, he he wound up solving all of them, you know, just super duper nice and making funny little comments and self-deprecating in that British way. But he just was the standout for us. And, you know, a lot of times these panels of four will have that. You know, it's the one who's the smart comedian as well (laughs) as the other stuff who's really solving it. But... I always remembered his name after that. So when I saw the book, I said, well, I've got to try this. Hmm. And I really didn't expect what I found, which oh, was this great. real high intelligence. But of course, I think to be funny, you have to be smart. Yeah, I think so too. You have to be able to see what other people are thinking and what strikes everybody is incongruous and all the things, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, that's great. Well, I'm sure I'm glad that you found it. Sure I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I sure did. Um, but yeah, it's just, 
so much in here. And again, you know, uh, it reminded me just a touch of the feast, just in how many characters they had. (laughs) And you said, you know, kind of the next one is calms down that a little bit, but we get to see more of Bogdan, you said. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yep. Yep. And um, there are other new characters because something comes up in a completely different way, of course. Mm -hmm. But because you already know who Ron and Joyce and Abraham and Elizabeth are and Donna and Chris and all this kind of thing. And even Jason, uh, Ron's Ron's son and um, uh, Bogdan Mm -hmm. and everything. You at least can kind of relax with that because what happens is as we get to know them more, they grow as characters too. And that's cool and that he's doing that. Right, right. And there's a real joy in that. And that's kind of the trademark of the cozy mystery, really. And we've talked about those before where, you know, it's not hardcore killing and a lot of violence. And it's it's about the setting and the people solving it and that kind of thing. And this clearly is a cozy mystery in that way. And because of that, you're more interested in the people that you know from book to book than you are in the mystery. Usually the mystery is there just to kind of, well, it's to be interesting, but of course, but it's also to kind of reveal more things about the people that you already enjoy. Yeah. And I think that's how I enjoy mysteries mostly. Yeah. I'm not usually trying to figure it out. Sometimes it occurs me occurs to me who did it or something like that. And I say, Oh, I think Mm -hmm. this person did it. Sometimes that pops in my head, but I don't work for that. You know, I don't, I don't sit there and I say, I got to figure out who did this. I always like the author just to reveal that. But the reason that I'm most interested is not really the mystery of it. It's the journey through it and the people and the things that occur between the people, you know, there's a lot of well, we watched Broadchurch on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one that I liked a lot, but I do like a lot of those. Um, they're British murder mysteries, you know, the the last ten episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those a lot. Shetland is probably my favorite. I and don't know if I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a very good show. Um, yeah. Is it in the Shetland Islands or yes. is that the name of a person? Okay. Yeah, the Shetland Islands, yeah. So a lot of small horses everywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. just assuming. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Hopefully some races. Yeah, nice and cold, cold weather islands. Yeah. 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 Sweaters, many sweaters. Yes, many sweaters. Okay. Yeah, absolutely All right. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I know raining. how these places it are. It rains yeah. a lot, you know. Yeah. It's always, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're always wearing fishing. coats. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fishing, mountain climbing. If they yeah. have a mountain, I don't remember. But I do enjoy those a ton, and um, yeah, if, when I find a new one, I'm like, hooray! Yeah, yeah, I like those. And although I realize I'm never putting the clues together in a methodical way, mm-hmm. I'm always in the back of my mind going, "Oh, this person did it." Mm. Oh no, okay, well now that that person must have done it. <laughs> and if I can figure it out. I'm pleased. Yeah. But if I figure it out too early, like I'm going to say the fourth book in this series, I knew almost instantly, not necessarily who did it, but I knew the profile of what the person was like. Mm. And I knew why. And everybody was thrown off for a long time. And I was like, I don't know if this is just me or yeah. what. And I still enjoyed the book, but I didn't enjoy it as much. And I wished I hadn't tried to think about it, but I couldn't <laughs> help it. I've read too many mysteries. Yes. Yes. 
But that was me, yeah. not because of the book. <laughs> right, yeah. right. You it's, know that, it's really uh, rare. Only Murders in the Building is just a really good example for me. Oh, yeah. It's just the, yeah. the whole cast, all the characters and everything. That's why you oh, hang I in. Oh, I love it. I yeah. love it so much. Mm-hmm. And we just watch it along, but at the same time, one of us will go, you know, it must be this person because of this. All three of us, just in the back of our minds, will go, oh, you know what just snapped for me? What about that? And everybody mm. will go, oh. <laughs> So cool. we're all kind of just in the back of our minds, rolling it around, even though we're not actively trying to solve it. Mm. Yep, yep. And if one of us gets it, we're like, oh, you figured it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's great. <clears throat> love it. Yep. Love it, love it. Yep, yep. Well, good. Thank you again. Oh, you're I'm very I'm thrilled welcome. about this. And I have three more books to read now. Yes. <laughs> and I'm thrilled that you liked it so Oh, much. so very much. Yep, yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. So next up for us is a movie that I'm not sure I can yes. pronounce. Bola. It's Bola. Bola. Yeah, okay. You can pronounce it. Bola. Yeah. With our favorite Ajay Devgan. Oh, perfect. Remember Singham? Remember which? Singham. The Singham, movie yes. Singham with yes. the cop. Right. He played Singham. Yeah. He's with not like Singham at all in fantastic. this. I still remember him getting out of that car with the gun. Oh, my And the car was still moving <laughs> yeah. while he was getting out. <laughs> and when the car went rolled overhead and he reached up and pulled the guy, uh, pulled the guy the door right out of it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just well, he is doing some super amazing stunts. There is a thing nice. with some motorcycles and a truck that you are not going to believe. Love it. It is fantastic. Uh, but um, the interesting thing about this is he directed it. Huh. And um, so we can talk about him also as a director a little bit, which Very I... Good approve his directing but mm. it also has a really good actress who you wouldn't think from the name taboo mm. it's t-a-b-u though and okay. she is somebody who is a older um like i guess middle-aged indian actress who was you know cute little in rom-coms in her day but now she's getting to play intelligent kick-ass women characters mm. and she is a delight in this too so it's yeah. just I, th- I think you're going to really enjoy it. It's action-y, but there's more to talk about. Very good. And if you never knew what to do with a trident, you are going <laughs> to freaking learn. When some bad guys come, you will be ready. I will be ready. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. great. <laughs> I was so, always wondering, so this is going to be good. You wondered the trident, yeah, I, I say, for what Christmas. Yeah, I wondered what to do with the trident. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what were you going to It's just leaning in the corner. Uh, <laughs> well, now you know. I love it. All right. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll oh, be fun. Good. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks for listening, okay. everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. All right. See you in a couple talk- weeks. Yeah, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>